Welcome to Bonjour Bitch. My name is Charlotte and I'm many things, but most importantly for this podcast, I am multicultural and sometimes a bitch. We're going to talk about everything from relationships to daily life, all from a multicultural point of view. Each week, I'll be accompanied by the most amazing guests to delve further into topics that really affect us all. You'd better get ready for it, bitches. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Um, I'm here today to discuss religion with the amazing Amita Joshi, who is the homepage editor and journalist at The Telegraph and writer for Galdem magazine. Hi, Amita. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you so much for coming today. So first question would be, whereabouts did you grow up and where is your family originally from? A mixture here, really. I grew up in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire. Very rural, beautiful, um, quite a busy town, but it's absolutely stunning. Very quiet. And my parents actually grew up in Uganda and India uh, and then came to England. So very, very different uh, growing up experience. And so would, did they both grow up in both countries or is one from Uganda and one from India? My dad grew up in Uganda until he was five and then had no choice but to move to England and he moved to Blackburn which is very different to Cheltenham uh, and my mum uh, was born and raised in Uganda and then moved to India and then England and they met here. Oh wow but so were they originally from India and then their own parents had moved to Uganda as well? That's right so both of their parents were from India uh, and had moved to Uganda where they were told it's quite a prosperous place if you wanted to start your own business the weather was better there were lots of people moving from India to Uganda at the time. So that's what they did and then moved onwards. Wow, England. that's quite a mix. So do they still have um, some sort of Ugandan traditions or cultures that they still have or do or with amongst the British and Indian ones as well? Absolutely. Well, my dad is a prime example. He still loves food that they used to eat in Uganda, but speaks Gujarati, which is uh, a language from the west of India, but then also has a Lancashire accent uh, because he's from Blackburn. So real mix. That's amazing. And so how was religion a part of your life growing up? It was, we were really fortunate in our house. I think we were always taught that religion was something that was there for us, but we didn't have to take it. Uh, We were brought up in a place where it wasn't very multicultural at the time. Uh, I was born in 1990. So Cheltenham was, at the time they had a temple there, but there was only about five or six people. Uh, Yeah, I think religion was actually a big part of growing up there because they almost didn't want us to forget where we were from, but they never foisted it on us because our setting was so different and they wanted us to kind of get the harmony right, so. And did they include religion more as a cultural way of growing up then in that sense? Absolutely. So I would say that both of them are quite religious and do all the things that that involves, praying, fasting and so on. Uh, They're both Hindu. But for us growing up, it was definitely the excitement of dressing up in saris, all the jewellery, when they go to India and come back and they bring us all these things, the food, the getting together with people. So it really was a cultural thing uh, for us. Okay. And... Do you consider yourself religious? You said you definitely consider your parents religious, but yourself? It's a strange one. A few years ago, I would have said not really, or I'm not sure. 
but I think the older I get and the more experiences I have, I surprise myself in thinking, yes, I probably do. I think when things get really difficult, I've found myself veering towards that more than I thought I would. So uh, the honest answer would probably be yes, but uh, that's definitely changed from the start. Do you think that in religion in that sense, I think as you grow up, you realise that maybe you share the values that your religion um, sort of tells you to uphold and that as, as you get older, you sort of realise that, hang on, I share those values. So does that make me religious in that sense or part of that religion? Yeah, absolutely. I think some of the values that we were taught uh, as part of Hinduism is a huge importance on family and this, the time you spend with them. Uh, charitable work and I think they're things that actually probably go across a lot of religions yeah and absolutely so, and so we really did feel a part of it but then growing up in Cheltenham also meant that our school used to take us to church regularly yeah. and we'd sing hymns and that was still you know we'd have a harvest festival and there felt like there was this crossover but all the time there was definitely a religious background to all of that and yes I would think it's made us uh, closer to religion. Are there aspects of religion you align with more than others? Absolutely. I mean, you could argue that it's cultural, but there are definitely some things that my brother and I often discuss that we almost think, oh God, no, I'm not happy with that, which is the emphasis it often places on males, the freedom that males have as opposed to females. I don't know about, I can't speak for other religions, but definitely in Hinduism, if you have certain kind of pujas, which are these religious ceremonies that you have, they are generally conducted by men. And it would be the men in the family who would head head that up. And it was things like that where I always used to think, oh, that's ridiculous. Or one particular fast where only wives do it because it, it's a fast that you do for five days for your husband and I always used to say oh I'm gonna make my husband do that because I don't want to <laughs> not eat for five days so yeah there's definitely things where you just I mean we're quite fortunate to be brought up now I guess because we really question it and uh, of course that doesn't come without frictions in the family particularly with older generations but fortunately with our parents they just roll their eyes and say, well, it's up to you what you'd like to do. So, yeah. And did they ever encourage you questioning and un trying to understand why is it this way? Why has it always been done this way? Yeah, definitely. I think we've always been a family that used to sit and talk together and they are very relaxed about us asking those questions, not particularly strict. And just because they have a set way of doing things, they don't expect us to. So I think we're really lucky in that sense. Um, they don't mind us prying all the time. And have you, so you mentioned obviously discussing with your brother, which is actually interesting because, so, you know, obviously the differences between what's expected of male and female um, members of the religion. But has there ever been a time where you haven't agreed on something where he's thought, well, obviously because I'm a boy, this is better? No, surprisingly not, actually. He's um, he's seven years younger than me, so he's part of, you know, as much as I'd like to pretend, he is part of a, a new generation. Yeah. Uh, and they obviously have their own ideas for things. And it's interesting to see what he rejects because he thinks this just means absolutely nothing to me. or And the things he holds on to that perhaps I didn't because he thinks I missed a trick there. 
and this is quite important in an in the era that we're growing up in so yeah we're usually aligned but yeah he definitely thinks differently um to me sometimes <laughs> more because of age than because of anything else more because of age yeah interesting Did you ever rebel against your faith or your family's faith? I don't know about, I guess it sort of ties with religion, but I definitely think relationships were an interesting subject. I think my grandparents always envisioned that I would marry somebody who is Indian, that I would have a very religious ceremony. I think that's something they always... It wasn't even questioned because that's what absolutely was going to happen. Actually, my boyfriend is a Lancashire guy and is absolutely fabulous. And whilst he's completely a part of the family now, that did feel like a rebellion because to having to tell them that and for them to understand those choices were uh, were challenging. How long have you been with him for? Uh, three and a half years now. Oh, so. Yes. <laughs> Still no question popped? Still no question popped. I think it's because I almost discovered the ploy too at the back end of last year. So <laughs> he's now having to reevaluate how he's going to do that. <laughs> Shout out. Please ask the question at some point. <laughs> and so do you think though the day you will get married, would you do two ceremonies? I think we do one ceremony, but have a mixture of elements to it. He's not religious at all. So for him, it's quite endearing doing these things, but he also has made it clear that he's not religious, so he doesn't want a religious ceremony. So it, it really will be a mix of the two. So you could do a blessing, but in the traditional Indian dress. Absolutely, yeah. And we've always said... There's different elements to a wedding. So you could always have a reception that's very colourful and very Indian and a wedding that is a bit more traditional to kind of British English values. So you get to wear two outfits. I I think that's all I care about, to be honest. There's two (laughs) outfits, two lots of jewellery. It's great. (laughs) From somebody having done it twice to the same guy, it's the best thing ever, having the different outfits and everything. Best thing. How do you see being a minority religion in the UK today? It's interesting how I think that's changed. I think growing up, I was really fortunate. I think it would be unfair to say otherwise. I, although we were such a minority in Cheltenham, nobody ever made me feel unwelcome. And I had such a wonderful experience growing up. And I think it's as I've got older, so working in elite professions or trying to cross certain barriers, whether that's internships or part-time roles that I, started to find that slightly uncomfortable and you can never really pinpoint it down to just religion but I definitely think that conversation ebbs and flows there are points where I remember where everyone was you know enthusiastic about getting involved in different cultures sometimes now with social media it feels like it's going back a step and you can't really predict how that's going to be in two years time Mm. and Obviously, it depends on the politics of the time too. So I would say it's a real mixed experience. But today, largely positive. But yeah, there's definitely, I would say that as I get older, I definitely see that there are still huge, huge barriers to tackle on that front. More because of the religion, more because of your heritage, 
or because being a woman with your heritage and your religion? I would probably say, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't think (laughs) I don't think being female has been a problem for me. Okay, no different to say other females who have had the usual barriers that females say they do, like having imposter syndrome at work and Mm -hmm. and the gender pay gap. Definitely things that we've experienced. Yes, all of us. But yeah, on on the religious side, I think yeah, I think that's probably predominantly the thing that would set us out. Do you have certain, um, I suppose you have certain days of the year or specific religious holidays that you need to or you want to respect? And has that ever caused a problem for you to have those days off from work, for example? Uh, It's a strange one. I often feel that even if you don't want to, up to a certain age, you almost keep it a secret, which I remember until sort of, gosh until about 27 or so that I would never really say I would like these three days off because it's Diwali and New Year I used to just say can I book these three days off um I might be going away and I can never really explain why I've done that because I'm not afraid or embarrassed of it it's just this feeling that you don't want to make other people uncomfortable or raise any questions and I don't really know where that stemmed from but that's definitely been done in the past. Now it's I've I've sort of felt that people are actually quite open, quite inquisitive about mm. these things. And if I say, oh, I just um, it's out on my own holiday leave. I just like three days off this time of year. They're really excited. They'll ask me all about the food. They'll ask me about what's happening, especially about the food, <laughs> and whether I'm bringing food in. Uh, so I think it's I think it's quite nice. But I don't know what initially made me keep it a secret. That's interesting, though, that you had that moment of switching of like, actually, why I can still I can be proud of my religion and my culture. And I think as well in the UK, it's very accepted and it's very open minded. And, you know, I think, how do you feel about a British woman, for example, wearing a sari? I don't mind that at all. I mean, I know my friends have said yeah, it's. they've always said, oh, if you got married, we would want to wear saris. And I think that's... I say that to one of my best friends yeah. who's of Gujarati origin <laughs> exactly. as well. And I think it's, it's quite funny because I'm like, do you know how difficult it is to wear that all day? But yeah, I think it's wonderful. It's something that they want to take part in. And also in the same way, my family came here and embraced Christmas, mm. which they wouldn't have necessarily done in India or Uganda why shouldn't they embrace these things? I know there is a conversation going on at the moment where people feel like it's cultural appropriation or they feel that uh, until you tackle the real problems to do with race and religion, that you shouldn't, you know, be taking all the good things. But I don't know. It's a conversation that I'm not really comfortable with. I just think they're two separate things. Yeah. uh, For me personally. So I think it's great. Why not? I think it's flattery, you know, I mean, specifically the sari, for example, it's such a beautiful piece of clothing, you know, you do feel beautiful when you wear it. I mean, I've gone to India a few times and I've been fortunate enough to wear a sari. Yes, it weighs an absolute ton, (laughs) especially if you pick a really lovely one. Um, 
but it's just beautiful and the amount of fabric and the skirt and everything it's just something that I think is also so different for us growing up without that element in our lives but like you would go anywhere to any other different culture and you might fall in love with one aspect of that and I just don't understand why all of a sudden it's bad to like certain aspects of other cultures like other people like certain aspects of being British it's not all rosy in everything either <laughs> um, but that's another subject anyway have you or your family ever witnessed or felt discriminated due to your religion and do you speak about it openly I don't know about uh religion in particular I do think all of our family has had an experience not too long ago uh, we had two family members who had passed away uh, in the same year, which was an incredibly challenging year. And with that, in Hinduism, they say that when somebody dies, you have 12 days of mourning that come immediately after their death. That usually includes the funeral within the 12 days, but sometimes it doesn't. You're not supposed to go to work in those 12 days because what happens is everybody who knew those people actually comes to your house. Wow on those 12 days. So for example, when my grandfather died, the first thing I remember, which is what I wrote in the Galdem article about grief, yeah. is that they put all these white sheets down on the floor and we were still kind of in tears, we'd just come back from the hospital. And I said to my grandmother, what on earth are you doing? And she said, there'll be a lot of people coming to our house in about two hours. And I was thinking, this is absolutely bizarre. I feel like I need to go to sleep. Uh, I feel really distressed. And actually for 12 straight days, we had the house as full as if you're having an absolutely manic wedding. It was completely crazy. And I think the first experience we had of uh, kind of, I wouldn't say religious tensions, but something that wasn't understood is that I didn't get the time off to stay in that duration. So I had to kind of to and fro from, from London at the That's time. That's tough. Yeah, and that was really challenging because it was so there was so much going on at home and then you had this situation where you're trying to balance sort of lack of understanding uh the other side in your kind of professional personal career that's outside of that and I think that was the first time I'd experienced that where I thought I'm really struggling to explain this to people here mm. but if if they perhaps saw what it was like uh they wouldn't let that happen and yeah we've spoken about it since about how we'd have to handle it differently and how that that has to be explained perhaps we didn't the first time around how were your neighbors with it because obviously if it was that many people in and out of the house it must have been different for them and I'm sure somebody must have had to explain something did they deal with it well did they ask questions they asked a lot of questions we're really fortunate we know our neighbors really well so actually he was over half of the time Aww, or coming sweet. over and saying here are my parking spots so you know please Aww. let them park when these people come over we had people come over from america and oh from india God. and from canada uh so it it really was crazy and they were so understanding uh which is certainly not what you experience everywhere uh so that was wonderful and i was reading in your article specifically about this that you sort of have those 12 days to deal with your grief and in some way, in trying to be as nice as possible, get over it in those 12 days and then you can move on with your life again. Whereas I think a lot of other religions um, or generally cultures sort of 
hang on to the past and they just takes them years sometimes to get over it I thought that was really a little bit aggressive maybe but sort of straight to the point of that's it and now you continue with your life absolutely it it isn't it is aggressive because they really force you to deal with death and it forces you to confront it and it's an open casket ceremony and there's all sorts of things that you know my cousins is sort of seven years old and slightly older slightly younger and for them it was startling because they've only been born and brought up here like I have so it was completely it was different and it was certainly alarming at points but you can't shy away from it and there was certainly no element of I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening because you can't do that in that instance that's amazing What would you tell people who might be ignorant or curious um, about religion as a whole, no matter the faith? I would say don't be judgmental about people being religious because you don't know why they're religious. I often find that, for example, my grandmother has been more religious than ever since experiencing these losses. And I often find that people would just think, oh, she's just praying but they have no idea of the strength that it gives her I think it actually enables her to get up in the morning and get dressed and see people and try and be the person that she was before these things happened and you can't know that when someone just tells you that they are a part of a religion you just immediately think of the stereotypes that are a part of that religion or um, what they mean according to news headlines But that's not the case. People have all kinds of reasons why they turn to it. And I think that's really important to remember. I like it. I like the tip. And in your opinion, does religion bring people together or does it create wider divides, particularly nowadays? I've been thinking about this question for a long time because (laughs) I always have this discussion with friends and... Again, actually, with my brother, who who often says, well, you know, if it didn't exist, some of these things wouldn't happen. But I think for me, it goes back to I've seen some really wonderful things happen because of it, too. I don't live too far from Grenfell. uh, And I remember when that happened, it was churches and those organisations that actually enabled people to have shelter, have food, to try to even slightly come to terms with what happened yeah and I think in that instance you really see how powerful these things are and the good side of them that's not to say that it isn't divisive it certainly is but I I mean that's not the experience that I've had with it yeah and it's not the experience my family has had with it they've only had experiences where people unite yeah And to be fair, like we said earlier, a lot of religions actually share the same core values. Absolutely, yeah. And so how do you see religion's role evolving in a conflicted and changing world? I think it has to be more open. A lot of people my age think that the core values of a religion are important, but they don't necessarily want to follow every rule. I have to fast on this certain day. I have to dress in a particular way. I should be doing this to make me a better wife. I think that definitely does need to change and there does need to be 
push back against it because there's a lot of misogyny that is kind of masked as, you know, religious practices for some people. Mm. And I think you should have the right to be able to say I'm religious. And ultimately for me, I think it means being a good person and trying to be the best person you can be without feeling claustrophobic because there's all these rules and I just don't think that ever ends well yeah so yeah I think it needs to change on that front in that you should be able to question it you should be able to say I don't think I can take up that bit but as long as I'm trying to be a good person isn't that what's most important yeah so being more adaptable and I like the idea of being able to ask questions and ask why. And I also think it then develops your understanding of why these things were written or said in the first place as well and where it stems from. It's time for the Bitchfire Round! I will ask you a question and you need to let me know which one of the two it will be. So, for example, the first one will be dog or cat. Dog. Right. And then we're (laughs) going to go and try and go quicker and quicker with these. So, Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Bath or shower? Shower. ASOS or Zara? Zara. Hesitation. (laughs) Sweet or savoury? Oh, God, this is torture. (laughs) Uh, Savoury. Oh. <laughs> Today. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, I can see that. Winter or summer? Winter. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. I like Christmas and I like the clothes better. <laughs> uh, city or countryside? Oh, countryside. Oh, Lancashire girl. Vintage or new? Vintage. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oh, that one was hard. <laughs> yeah, it was hard because I think it's changed. I think I actually owe a lot of my career development to Twitter, but I think Twitter is increasingly giving me a slight headache. Uh, so yeah. I like Instagram now. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. And can you please remind us of your social media handle? Yes, it's uh, at Amita C. Joshi. Uh, that's on Twitter. And uh, my Instagram is at London and Books, which is just the books I'm reading and London locations that I'm in. Amazing. Thank well, you thank so you much. Thank you so much. Thank and I'm sure we'll speak soon again. Thank you very much. Bye. Remember to tune in next Monday for a brand new episode and please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us out. We'll see you then. Au revoir, bitches. Bye.